All right, you ready to right. dig into some Morrison? Yeah, let me um, let me just get a little more coffee here, real quick. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna fill up my soup. Cool. All right. So if I remember correctly, uh, other side of the wind was uh, something that you had on your um, what do you call it on your list for um, for Netflix, right? For the yes, indeed. Orson Welles' final movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, uh, never, uh, not, not completed in his time. No. Uh, yeah. Due to a number of, I don't know, financial, political, <laughs> social, personal, every kind of problem you can imagine. Basically he couldn't get the movie finished. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah. Um, so yeah, so he he died and it was unfinished and it just, mm-hmm. you know, but he had shot, you know, all this footage. There were like hundreds of hours worth of footage and he had some like edits together and ideas and he was like, he was a pretty prolific writer. Um, so he had tons of like notes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thoughts, you know, that had been committed to the page as far as like what he wanted to do. So there was to some degree a, a roadmap, you right. know, by which if somebody had the time, the money and the inclination, uh, they could actually construct the film, you know, that, yeah. that he was, cause I, I, it had all or pretty much all been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think they said it was, it was all shot. It yeah. was all shot. Yeah. It was really like post-production things because of the, the, you know, the massive undertaking of the post-production process for that film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I imagine when they were able to, so yeah, so they were able to, a few years ago, a group of people got together and started, you know, collecting, uh, the resources and the, uh, you know, people necessary to put this together in the most respectful and hopefully the closest to what his original vision for the film was, you know, kind of way possible. Um, I believe it was, uh, Noah Baumbach and, um, Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson that raised like, uh, $2 million. To oh, wow. Fin- to finish, uh, or at least get it started, but put yeah. towards, uh, you know, completing the project. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, got involved with a lot of other people. Um, Netflix ended up getting involved at a certain point to, I think they supplied a lot of the final funds necessary mm-hmm. um, to take it across the finish line. There was a GoFundMe campaign at a certain point to raise okay. some additional money for it, which I contributed to several years ago. Um, yeah. And then Netflix, you know, of course, when they get involved then you know, it becomes a Netflix property. So it's, yeah. uh, so it's exclusively on Netflix. Um, however, I will give them credit because they did a, you know, they, you know, the movie got finished, uh, mm-hmm. thanks to them. And not only that, but had, you know, it access was premiered on the largest, you know, platform for films in the world, yeah, uh, right. which is pretty cool. Um, and you know, and played in some theaters. I was lucky enough to be able to see the film in 35 millimeter, uh, at the Mm -hmm. music box when it first came out, courtesy, you know, Netflix did a few of these 35 millimeter prints and put them out into the world. Um, and all that type of shit. So, but yeah, you know, they, they really, from what I understand about the whole process really went, um, out of their way to find, you know, there were a lot of people that were involved with the movie that are still alive. Um, mm-hmm. people who knew Wells really well and had talked to him about this film that are still alive and things like that. So, uh, you know, even Peter Bogdanovich is still alive, who yeah. is in the, one of the main characters in the film and, um, you know, and is essentially playing himself in the movie he was a Wells fanatic, you know, mm-hmm. like he knew everything about the guy and his life and his contributions to cinema. Brooks so. Otterlake. Yep. <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah, you know, they were able to to work with those people to you know get everything that you know all the information they could about what it was Wells was trying to do with this movie and what it was supposed to look like and feel like and sound like and you know play like. Yeah. So. So yeah, massive undertaking. All got done, and uh, yeah, went live on Netflix a couple of years ago, and uh, then faded away. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. Not nearly enough people saw it in my mind. Um, yeah, I didn't. I just didn't feel like I, you know, it was something that people were talking about enough <laughs> when it came out. I was like, you guys, there's a new Orson Welles film, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and again, who knows how much it actually resembles what he wanted the movie to be. Yeah. It's impossible to say, but it seems like, you know, the, as all of the due diligence was done to figure out as much of that as they could. And, and apparently he was the type of guy who left the materials around for them to make that, you know, those kinds of possible. determinations. Yeah. Pretty confidently. So, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's for my money, having seen, um, most of Wells movies and particularly like his last film that he completed, uh, was this movie called F for Fake uh-huh. that uh, Criterion has a release of. It's a, I, I managed to, uh, was lucky enough to see it a few years ago kind of randomly and like absolutely fucking adored it. It's such a good nice. movie. But, you know, you can see the same, and he, and he finished that film himself. So F for Fake is 100% an Orson Welles movie and it is okay. exceptionally good. Uh, but um, you can see a lot of the stylistic similarities uh, between mm-hmm. F for Fake and uh, and Other Side of the Wind. So, you know, to me, watching it, it, it did feel like an authentic, yes, this is definitely coming from the same voice, the same artist as this other okay. film, you know. So, okay. so it, it did have that that authenticity to it, I felt, when I watched it. that I was like, no, I feel like this is, this is truly, you know, an Orson Welles film that I'm watching right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So nice. So yeah, it was great. It, uh, you know, I, I think they did a, a great job with it. And, and also the presentation on Netflix is very, very good. Uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah it's really, they really good. Yeah. did a beautiful job, you know, cleaning it up and putting it together and everything. And, uh, cause you know, having seen it on 35 millimeter, which, you know, obviously this, the movie itself was shot between like 1970 and 1976. Mm-hmm. So obviously all shot on film originally. So I'm, you know, I'm sure it was all digitized to do this whole restoration process and then printed back to film yeah. uh, for the film prints. But even so, seeing it in its native format like that, it, it really brings out a certain depth and character to, you know, images shot on film projected on film. Even if there's been a digital intermediate in between, if it's yeah. been a high quality one like this one, it's you know, it's not really going to deteriorate you know the image uh more any more so than whatever the technicians did when they were cleaning up you know Mm -hmm. um so uh so yeah so you know it was really cool seeing it in 35 millimeter and i was a little worried about watching it at home what it you know was it still going to feel as good as it did when i saw it in the theater you know on was this the first time that you watched it at home yes okay all right um but they did a you know 4k dolby vision uh, encode of the the film, you know, 4K scan of it and Dolby Vision color uh, encode and everything, and like it looks so good. Uh, yeah, it's it still, was really impressive. Yeah, yeah it, it still <laughs> looks and feels like film. You know, the the contrast is there, the colors there, uh, the grain mm-hmm. is there, and you know, this movie's done with so many different cameras and you know <laughs> film stocks throughout the entire movie that like it's great how clearly you can see the different grains. 
of the different yeah. film stocks and like, you know, what's like eight millimeter versus like 35 millimeter. And, um, yeah, just like, what's a dirty short end of like a cheap film stock versus like, <laughs> yeah. what's like, you know, the main camera that's obviously with the, the really nice film stock in it. And, uh, anyway, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail and texture there that I dare say is uh, not dare say it's, it's Wells. Of course it's intentional. It's very intentionally, Mm -hmm. uh, deployed in, in the film. And so to have a presentation that, you know, retains those characteristics and such clarity is, uh, is really, you know, a boon to yeah. cinema <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we should all be appreciative of it and check the movie out. Uh, yeah, no. And I, uh... also, also in my opinion, it's a really, really good movie. So, <laughs> but, uh, but Bobby, I guess let's start there. Bobby. Yeah. You watched the other side of the wind last night. I did. Did you like it? Um, overall, yes, I did. When I finished watching it last night, I had the same feeling I did when you and I walked out of Let the Corpses Tan. Mm. It was this overall feeling of, like, I, I, I know I just watched something very important. Mm. <laughs> I'm just not entirely sure what I watched. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not an incoherent movie, but like you, it's, it's one of those things where if like you, you look away once you, and you come back, you're, you might as well just stop, you know? Um, Dude, this, and this movie, just sort of one quick interjection, cause it's yeah. just exactly what you're saying, but I was laughing because when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, did Orson Welles invent Bayhem? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I was thinking? So currently in during, you know, currently during this time, I'm, I am going through, um, uh, Aaron Sorkin's the West wing. And that's all I could think about in the beginning of this movie. Mm. Oh, sure. Okay. I was, from I what was I thinking, know, West wing. Yeah. Right, right. So I, I, I just kept thinking about, uh, West wing and the way Aaron Sorkin just, uh, you know, um, overlays dialogue. It's like people almost kind of talking over each other, but everybody still gets everything out. Mm -hmm. um, even if they're mumbling under their breath. And I was also thinking about, um, fuck, I just had his name right now. Uh, like Robert Altman. Yes. Robert Altman. Yeah. 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 And is it, I, I was thinking about Robert Altman because I, I never made it through Nashville. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, get through it oh, okay so, i've, not, I've never actually never seen it yeah I, I think i think i started it in a class at flashpoint and i i don't know how i didn't finish it but it might have been like francine was there and she might have just been reading the room and been like yeah you guys are not digging this are you and everyone's yeah. like no like why are we what's <laughs> happening right now we're just being you know really dumb and un uninformed but um uh this to me, this overlapping of like all this dialogue in the story, while it felt, you know, uh, very messy, it still felt like it had a point and I could still follow like the inklings of a story that was mm -hmm. happening, you know? Um, and then this morning when I woke up, I, I definitely kept like thinking about it more, uh, you know, and, uh, I got more into the movie, uh, closer to the, um, the middle to where they like left the house to go to the uh, drive-in. The drive-in, yeah. Yeah, to finish watching, you know, the movie. Um, and I had I kept having like all these thoughts about like what Orson Welles was trying to do and what he was trying to say with it, and um, with all the you know different characters that are, were around. And then um, 
So I did put on the Love Me When I'm Dead, which I had never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the companion documentary that Netflix put together. Yeah, right. And um, and that actually, it didn't explain anything more. It just sort of like solidified what I was thinking about the movie. Mm-hmm. And like to hear just Orson Welles sort of like loosely talk about this movie that he was thinking about doing and... You know, it's not it's not my movie. It's the guy in the movie's movie. Like, that's what I'm making and all this other kind of stuff. That's what I felt. And that's what I thought, even though there are obviously like a parallel between what's happening between, yeah. you know, John Huston and, and Peter Bogdanovich. And yeah, it's like it's that. it's clearly him. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but also it's not him. But then everyone around him are the people that are actually around Orson Welles. Yes. Like right. even uh, even the woman who plays the the main actress in the movie within the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Kodar. Mm-hmm. She was like Orson Welles like lover, uh, and oh, I, yeah. I think why yeah, yeah. for for like years. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, yeah it's just it, there's so much. I mean, yeah, we'll get we'll get more into that stuff, of right. course. But yeah, just as a brief setup, I guess for listeners that you know <laughs> this is this is the kind of like you know metatextual fantasy fiction doc narrative blending, you know, that, that he's engaged in this entire film, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. (laughs) It's uh, the only, um, the only Orson Welles movie I've ever seen is Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. I really never seen touch of evil. No. Oh shit, dude. Yeah. You gotta watch touch of evil. Believe me, so after good. watching this <laughs> and watching the documentary, I'm definitely going to have a little Orson Welles, uh, you know, go through. Yeah, they got uh, um, uh, Criterion has a couple of his noir films uh, streaming right now. They've got uh, okay. Stra- Stranger and Lady from Shanghai. OK, um, I think they were doing as their Friday night double feature last night. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, you can stream them both. And uh, yeah, anyway, there's some some good shit on there. Uh, I, hopefully F for Fake is up there as well, because that's a man. That's OK, just also, such a I'll fucking good movie. All right. But yeah, Touch of Evil um, is that's just a goddamn fucking masterpiece. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it feels like just a fucking nightmare to I, I don't know how anyone has this whole thing in their head. Yeah. Oh, uh, I know. It's just like, Jesus Christ. And then like. Um, anyways, well, I really liked, uh, John Houston in it. I thought he was really great. So good. Yeah. I was happy to, I was happy to discover that they were friends. Uh, mm-hmm. not that I thought that, you know, he was having a bad time watching this, but, uh, after this morning I was looking up reviews for, uh, other side of the wind and just reading a couple people's opinions on them. And one guy had a, had a, a funny thing to say that, uh, John Houston just looks like he, um, Looks like he's been like uh, chewed up in hell and spat back out because <laughs> hell didn't want him anymore. And I was like, "Yeah, it's yeah, pretty he, accurate." He, right he there. looks fucking <laughs> ragged in that movie. Like those bags under his eyes. And there's oh something about that. Like there's something about that. Like thin, tall glass that he's constantly drinking straight liquor out of. Yeah. And it's just like I don't. You see the glass just getting like dirtier and dirtier too yeah. as the night goes on, and he's like filling it up higher and higher. Like he just he looks like just just rough, man. Yeah. Like really, really rough. I mean, it's 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 great. You know, it's it's obviously an important part of the character, but again, it's like everything about this movie. You know, it is called into question about like what's fake and what's real. You know. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. really the whole magic trick he's trying to play the entire time is like, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is the movie and what is me just talking about what's 
what's really happening. Yes, exactly. You know? um, and, and then, you know, I guess to further then also, like, is there a point to a distinction between the two, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Does it, does it even matter, you know, uh, is seemingly the, the larger question being posed there. But, um, but certainly everything about it is called into question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, I don't know. This is, this, is kind of, this is the kind of movie that, like, uh, I could easily... When I watch a movie like this, I, I think about... Um, I think about the layman going in and watching a movie like this, like someone mm-hmm. who doesn't watch, you know, like uh, the breadth of movies that you watch or I watch. You know what I mean? Uh, like in one week, I watch Bloodshot and The Other Side of the Wind. You yeah. Know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> both in both in 4K. Both in 4K. Yes. <laughs> what a fucking world. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, uh, so, but I, I can easily, I could easily like have an opinion about this movie where I can be like, man, I just don't care about it. I just don't care about what he's trying to do. I don't care about the artistry and also think to myself, like, this is just someone like trying too hard to Mm -hmm. like, uh, be whatever he thinks this character in this movie's definition is of an artist. Um, and like I could see that argument and I feel like I could make that argument and just be like, yeah, you know, it wasn't for me. So, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, but mm-hmm. on the flip side, I can also see like what he's trying to do and, you know, had, had a lot of that, had a lot of those thoughts, you know, confirmed while watching the documentary about, um, uh, you know, the art is just kind of like tricking the audience. Like, you could say you could have that argument with Orson Orson Welles and say, "Well, yeah, this is totally about you," and he would be every he'd be right to just ask you like, "Well, are you sure?" Because then this happens next, or this happens, and it's it's, it's not me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but I was really really fascinated at how how close it was to like what was going on in his life or what had gone on in his life. And how far removed it seemed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like really impressive and probably like the, like if I had to like dwindle it down to like a, a, a main thing I was sort of thinking about through the whole movie, it was like that. Um, to find out that at, at one point in real life, Peter Bogdanovich was writing a book about him mm-hmm. and recording it. And then in the movie, you know, uh, Brooks, Brooks Otter, you know, his name, uh, Brooksy was actually doing the same thing, but the book, you know, they abandoned it, but that became sort of like this, uh, uh, voiceover that kept going on in the movie. So it's like Orson Welles was almost like telling you like, I'm still here. This is my voice, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not at the same time, you know, if you miss it. So, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a what a like fucking interesting movie, dude. Like I yeah. I know I'm gonna like revisit it again for sure. I just yeah you know, the the guy who wrote the review was just like I've seen it three times now, and I'm like, yeah, I probably will watch this like another two times just to have the conversation with somebody about like what they think is yeah happening by the end of it. You know, dude, watching it a second time yesterday was was really wonderful. Uh, nice, you know, really really rewarding. I mean, I got mm-hmm. a ton out of it the first time, but it was also I've been wanting to watch it again since I saw it the first time because you're just like, man, you're you're just being like, like overwhelmed, you know, with <laughs> yes, yes. with like 
ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like throughout the entirety of it and the way that it just like it constantly builds up the complexity of exactly all the stuff we're talking about. This like commingling of, of like fact and fiction and like is this or isn't it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's funny while you were just talking just now, I thought a, a really good kind of comparison, um, is, uh, is, is actually, I think like between F for fake and the other side of the wind, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'd be really apt to compare them to, you know, Bart Layton's movies, um, the imposter Ooh. and American animals. Cause I feel like, you know, F for fake in a lot of ways like, like Wells is showing you the trick that he's pulling, you know, he's okay. like, Wells, Wells was a magician for a long time, you know, and so yes. that kind of like prestidigitation was always a part of his kind of just showmanship and his persona and his storytelling style, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, so, you know, in F for fake, like he really, like he, he's playing the trick on you, but it's like, he's, he's explaining the trick while it's happening. So, like, he surprises you, but he's always kind of there to tell you, like, this is what we just did, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I feel like Other Side of the Wind is then him just performing the trick, you know? Like, like that's his, he goes a step deeper where it's, there's, he's no longer in there himself to, like, guide you through the trick. Right. You know, he's just going to play it on you now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and with Bart Layden, I feel like he kind of did a similar thing with like the imposter. He's like very much showing you how he's playing with fact and fiction being intertwined. And then in mm-hmm. American Animals, he's just kind of does it. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good without, comparison. Without yeah. telling you about it, you know, and it's really interesting. Like I, I was really definitely very glad I had seen F for Fake like a couple of times before mm-hmm. I saw Other Side of the Wind because I felt like that was kind of like a Rosetta Stone piece for me in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but also, like, you know, mired me in the complexity of it so much. <laughs> I just, like, I mean, parts, like, times in that movie where I'd start, like, confusing myself, you know, doing these, like, mental gymnastics of, like, this is, but this isn't, but it is, but it's also a contradiction. And, like, you know, there's just... The further you go down that rabbit hole with this movie, the more impressive it becomes. It's, like, the level of, excuse me, thought that he put into the way that all of these things would intertwine and interplay with each other and, and bounce off, you know, knock around uh, fact or fiction like a pinball machine, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but never have a mark that doesn't, you know, fit somewhere within that, that architecture. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's all so well constructed, but seemingly so haphazard and chaotic, you know, when you watch it. Right. He makes it look like nothing was planned. You yeah. know, because it's so fucking all over the place. <laughs> but it is, in fact, like, you know, and I think that's another big kind of contradiction that he was claiming that he was pulling back all of his control over everything. But it was like, no, I think he just he might have been exercising even more control over this, you know, mm-hmm. like. But again, who knows? Right. Exactly. It, like yeah, it's yeah, and, yeah. and you it's intentionally designed for you to never be able to answer that question, you know, <laughs> One of the other aspects I liked about this movie is I feel like it's a, uh, um, I feel like it's a pretty accurate uh, representation of just like making a movie, mm-hmm. like, but obviously in someone's head, you know, um, and so in that way it almost kind of felt like a fantasy to me sometimes. Is that you know with the with the media uh, being there, um, you know the reporters and the cameras. And everybody asking like, oh, you know, we need we need money, you know, because that's the point of the movie is that they're trying to raise money for to to finish shooting the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just sort of like that. The very like raw nerve 
of it all in the house of just like everybody not knowing what's going on, you know, his, him having an affair with all of his leading, you know, leading men's like wives and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is where it's leading us now is to just like gossip about the man's life when, (laughs) you know, what's really going on here is like, we're trying to screen, we're trying to screen this for an executive who's not going to be here anymore. And, you know, almost from the get go, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the movie itself and also the, the movie that they're, the movie within the movie is just, um, you know, kind of like, uh, like a, what's the point, you know? Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's almost kind of like set up that by the end of it, you know, he's never going to get the money to, to finish this. And so, yeah. um, uh, it led me down some like sort of spiritual, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, thinkings about stuff <laughs> as to why, why, um, Hannaford is doing all this. Because uh, mm-hmm. at some points it even sort of seemed to me like he knew what the ending of this whole story was going to be. Right. And not the movie within the movie, but just him having the birthday party and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, like kind of creating a situation that was, you know, is like built to explode <laughs> with all of these right, different exactly. elements, you know? Yeah. It's like inviting all of like the press plus film students, you know, to come and film and record every element of this birthday party while you're basically like trying to get the funding to finish your movie. So you don't have to shut down the production in like four days, which nobody knows about (laughs) except for like a handful of people. And yeah, like, of course that's all going to start coming out, but you know, and then again, the way that that reflects, you know, Wells himself that like, you know, this is about a movie, you know, this is about a guy basically pursuing a doomed project. Right, and yeah. then that's exactly what this project became for Wells. You know, yeah. it's the same yeah. thing. Like you know that that again. To see, you have to start wondering like, was that part of his plan? You know, oh, because God, of like yeah. this, you know, this commingling <laughs> that was happening. That like is, I mean, how much? Of course, it's it wasn't. You know, he had been on the outs from Hollywood for a while at that point. You know, there mm-hmm. was a lot of he had his hands in a lot of different pots and had complicated his life quite a bit at that point. But. um you know, obviously didn't approach investors saying like, we're never going to finish this movie, you know? And that's <laughs> right, the yeah, point, exactly. that's the point of the movie is that it never gets finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, you know, it was really, uh, to, to, I guess, uh, piggyback off of what you were saying about going down some spiritual paths about like, why is he even doing this and, and why yeah. is he pursuing this and the, and the wells, you know, component of it as well. Like basically doing the exact same thing, you know, it's another, Similar to like uh, like Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo and the accompanying mm. Les Blank documentary Burden of Dreams, where the two of them, it's it's this whole like which one's actually the movie, you know, because they're they're right. basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's an element at at play here of this as well, uh, of course, as as we've been talking about, but you know, when I was watching it yesterday, I was getting this really like. Man, it's really kind of like I don't like sad, like elegiac quality to the movie. Where mm-hmm. it, I mean, it it felt like in a way. I've been struggling with how to express this exactly, but it it was it was like he was composing a suicide note that he didn't know was a suicide note until he was almost done with it, mm. and then when he got there, realized that if he finished it, then he would have to die. Yeah, right. Like, that's, like, what this movie feels like. It feels like he's stuck in in a place where, you know, he, like, 
was trying to achieve some achieve some catharsis by allowing the character in the movie that's his analog to have this fate and then the same fate befalls Orson Welles but it also has this like insanely autobiographical quality and other components which makes you wonder you know did he in some way even orchestrate some of those complications himself to ensure that the movie would never get finished because it's sort of this like Mozart's Requiem, you know, kind of thing where it was like, it's killing him to make it right. You know? And like, if he finishes it, then that might be like the last of him as a life force, you know? (laughs) So that's what it's going to take to finish this movie. So that's something that the, you know, documentary definitely like asks that question and asks some of the subjects in it. And obviously everybody has a different answer to it but like you know i mean what do you think like do you are you are you just are you okay with the idea of like maybe that you know did it happen by accident or was like a do you think it happened by accident that he kind of like put all the put all the pieces in place for it to i i mean maybe for lack of a better word like fail or not not get complete and then yeah it just adds to that mythology or was he that it's, much in control that he just orchestrated, the, you know, like, right. Yeah. It was really like, you know, it, I think just knowing, you know, they, they tell you right at the beginning of the movie, like, you know, Jack Hannaford died in a car crash right. and yeah. this is his last day, you know? So, you know, from the get go, like, you know, he dies at the end of this movie, obviously. Right. Um, you could argue that he dies at the beginning of the movie and the rest of it's a flashback, <laughs> but, That's <true>. um, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or a document as it were, yeah. which I think adds another layer to the like meta narrative of it all is this, are we watching this in real time or is this a document of something that happened? You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, there was this real interesting kind of quality to just, you know, obviously there's, you know, they bring it up specifically in the movie talking about, you know, you destroy, he destroys what he creates, you know? Yes. Yes. Like that's, you know, that's a very megalomaniacal kind of character trait to have. And a lot of like, you know, powerful men or whatever, powerful artists, very controlling artists, you know, have had the same kind of proclivity, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, they, they have to destroy everything that they create in a way that, so in a way so that like no one else can possess it, you know, in a right. sense. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, there's this, the, the feeling I started getting through watching it this time was that like, you know, through this culmination of like everything that was coming at him from like, sir, all of his like acolytes and followers and, uh, imitators, you know, being at this party and all these like, you know, young up and coming film students being at this party who like looked up to him, uh, look up to him and respect him as this like icon of filmmaking, mm-hmm. you know, and the dramatic arts and narrative and, you know, the, the film critics there. And it's just like, you know, all the producers there and all the people that have been working with him and like loyally working by his side through thick and thin for all the decades, yeah. you know, all that shit, every, all these people being there. And it's like everything in this place is constantly reaffirming to him that he's kind of done everything. Right. You know, yeah. like he's trying to like he they keep talking about how they're trying to make him relevant to the youth again, you know, and that seems to be like the only motivation. But he, he obviously doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. You know, that's he not obviously a, he obviously is already. Like, yeah. In a way, like even without this project. Right. Like he's still he's he is that to these young people. Yeah, but it's like, you know, he he ends up in this, like, there's this sort of, like, dullness that comes from, like, mastery and accomplishment, you know, that it's like, yeah, 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 you've, you've done what you set out to do, like, you had a life's goal, and then what happens when you've done it? <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. You know, and and like he's kind of it feels like he's kind of stuck there. And, you know, in, in this whole sense of like destroying the things he creates, it's like, well, at that point, that what that really means is you've created the world that you wanted. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. you have the people around you, you have the followers, you have the respect, you know, you don't even really have the money anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, but but you've got all this other stuff. And um, and, and you know, in a way, it's like at that point when when there's nothing left to create and what you've ultimately created is your world and like, you know, the, the sphere and the gravity around you. Right. That the only thing left to destroy is like God, and that's you. you yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you made this world, you created this whole, you know, sense of this whole reality that that you now embody and that revolves around you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if there's nothing left to create, then like there's only one thing left to destroy, and that's basically all of it, which means you know, destroying the creator. I love the. Uh, I also like watching movies. Uh, I would say this this is a 70s movie, even though it was completed. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. twenty in twenty what eighteen or something. Yeah, it um, is a seventies movie through and through. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he wants you to know it's a seventies movie, right? Because there's yes. there's so much in the movie that's like commenting on seventies cinema. Yes, it's yes. like yeah, it's you know it's funny because I I, rem- I was remembering too that like as I was watching it yesterday and I was I was pulling on more of that like kind of mournful thread about him like sort of having to you know come to the realization that he has to like you know implode his entire universe that he spent his Uh whole life creating and that's really the only that's the final act of you know creation he can perform um as an artist like that's all that's left in him you know yeah yeah. that's all that's left available to him or whatever whichever one's more sad you know Uh (laughs) but um the, I remember seeing it the first time I was much more, I guess, taken by just what a scathing critique of everything about filmmaking in the 70s the movie was. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like he went out of his way to make fun of film students, to make fun of filmmakers, yeah. to make fun of the old greats, um, mm-hmm. to make fun of film criticism, uh, to make fun of the movies themselves by having a movie within a movie. Um, yeah. that is like the most fucking seventies movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the other side of the wind, the movie in the movie is like, it's like if Yodorowsky and like Giallo films and, uh, I, I don't know, like, like early George Lucas all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny cause it's like, it's, it's very well done, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's some shots in in the other side of the wind portion of the movie that are like fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. These are no. incredible, but I can't shake the feeling that he's doing this to like fucking make fun of people who think this is a good movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, and that yes. like even these shots he's just like, yeah, you know, you can put all the like technical know-how or like you can make it seem like you're doing something more artistic than you actually are so easily, you know. Right. Right. Especially if you know what you're doing. And, you know, it's easy to, like, pervert that power and trick audiences into, you know, thinking that you're doing something more profound than you actually are, even though you know better, you know? I think that's, like, always a a very conscious fear of mine when I watch uh, something that's considered, like, an art house movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, Danny Houston, the actor in the documentary, you know, talked about the the scene in, in the movie, The Other Side of the Wind, the movie in the movie, where she has sex with the guy in the car. Mm-hmm. And you know the way he the way he talked about it, how 
I think there's even a voiceover of her, of the actress asking Orson Welles, like, how do you want me to play this? And he said, well, you know, it's, it's you, it's however you want to do it. And she goes, well, I decided to play it like a praying mantis. Mm-hmm. And so I had the idea of a praying mantis in my head. I've never seen a praying mantis have sex before, but I was just like, <laughs> just, just the, just the outline and the, the design of a praying mantis. And then hearing Danny Houston talk about how like, the beads are like bouncing back and forth against her chest and her breasts. And then like all the cutting and the, the color visuals that's going on, you know, he described it as like a visual orgasm. Like this is what, Mm -hmm. this is what the scene is happening. Right. And I think, I think that's, it's like to kind of go back to the first thing I said when we started is just like, I feel like that's where I I had that duality. You know, I kept watching the movie. I'm just like, I could show this to somebody and be like, this is a great movie. And somebody could be like, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's something that thinks it's an art house movie and it's just, it's not, it's, it's it's boring and I don't know what's going on and, and whatever. And a part of me thinks that maybe like Orson Welles might be okay with that in in some, in some parts be like, yeah, sure. That's exactly what it is. But then someone to come and say like, oh my God, that scene in the car where she has sex with them. It's like, it's like a visual orgasm. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, and someone's just like, exactly. It's exactly what I was, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's so weird to me. Not weird, but it's it's kind of cool to me how it can work on like like both levels. Yeah. And it's okay. Like yeah, if absolutely. You, don't, you know what I mean? It's okay if you don't like it and if you have a reason why it is, but it also still works if you do like it. And, yeah. You know, and you and know, that's exactly that. what, what art should be. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And there's, there's just so many things that seem to be, you know, direct call outs to like the filmmaking of the time and like, you know, the innovations of the seventies and things like that. And, you know, obviously this whole like kind of style, style over substance approach. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and this, and you know, this sort of like visual excess in a lot of ways, like really discovering, you know, the, uh, uh-huh. aesthetics of abstraction, you know, in narrative storytelling and cinema. Um, you know, there's like these long sequences of like, uh, um, John Dale and uh, Oya Kodar walking through, you know, these like areas with all these like, w- you know, reflections and windows and oh, like, yeah, reflective yeah. surfs and they're like passing by and reflections, but then they actually enter frame and they're moving the complete opposite direction. And it's like, you never know which way they're going. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, th- this like extended sequence again, it seemed like, it seemed like he was kind of making fun of seventies movies. Like you have no idea <laughs> where you're going with any of this, you know, you're just going, moving in different <laughs> right. directions. Cause you think it's cool in the moment, you know, but it doesn't right. actually mean shit. Um, that was the, the one fun. thing I was, no, that was the one thing I was going to, uh, before like our video had got kind of messed up is, is, uh, like I, it's a, it's a seventies movie, but it, it's somehow like it still feels like very, you know, today to me. Yeah. Cause like it the feels one, so the one, modern. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing like I really hate is like, uh, I, I make this complaint about like cartoons, like cartoons now are just so designed for, you know, children who just have like a short attention span. So they mm. try and like develop these characters that are very high pitch and they go really fast and they talk like this and, da, 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 and let's do this. And it's, it's meant to be comedy and funny. And to me, it just comes off annoying because I'm like, used to, you know, X-Men from the 90s where there was like a story about politics, you know, uh-huh. in my <laughs> you know and, and mutants and shit. And um but uh I I thought for uh I thought for a little while at the beginning of this movie that I would get so annoyed at the excessive cutting of everything. Mm-hmm. And the excessive cutting of it like makes it feel modern to me because it's like it just keeps going and there's just something new and it does feel like 
um, social media kind of in a way too. It's mm-hmm. just so, it's so brief and it's so instant and we're on to the next story. And, you know, we go from, you know, talking about, uh, what we were talking about, uh, with the other movie, like now there's trailers for like, you know, COVID-19 coming out, but now we're talking about, you know, uh, bloodshot and I, you know, you just saw exorcist three and now we're here and it's, you know, you and I are having longer conversations about it, but the movie is almost kind of like, uh, so you could make maybe the definition. It's just the definition of like someone scrolling through like their Twitter feed or their or their Seriously. Facebook thing, and it's just like you're just getting all of these stories, you know. And who knows if they're all true, but in some way they are a representation of like what we're creating for ourselves, like in our world. And yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see him get that, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, really, yeah, just again, ahead of way ahead of his time. Um, you know, he saw the, ahead. you know, those were their early days. But like, you know, in 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 the seventies when he was making that film, they, exactly. Like, I think that's a great great uh, comparison to make because it's like that's you know, this movie had it been finished when it was you know he was trying to make it. You know, it was obviously an attempt to be the closest thing they had to that kind of immediacy in that world, you know, right. where it was like, he was commenting on the times in the very same times that, you know, he was yes. making the film. Yes. And, you know, nowadays that's like commonplace to us, but like for a, a like thought provoking writer director to make an artistic statement about the very times he's living them and get the movie made and put out in that same time. Yeah. You know, that was like, nobody was doing that. You know, there right. was, you know, like Roberto Rossellini, when he did the uh, the war trilogy and put out the first one of those, uh, Rome Open City, you know, that was like shocking because that was a movie criticizing World War II and it was while World War II was still going on. Oh, okay. And, you know, right. that was yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, you can do that, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, in the 70s, it was like, you know, there, there still wasn't like commonplace for things to have that kind of immediacy to them. Like, sure, you know, again, going back to the French New Wave, like that's how Jean-Luc Godard made films. Basically, he was mm-hmm. trying to. Yeah. You know, his films were his essays. You know, every four months he'd produce a new quote unquote essay on the state of things <laughs> in the world. And that was just another movie, you know. Um, so, you know, he he was sort of an outlier in terms of having that kind of immediate, you know, um reflectiveness you know with the world around him right uh in in terms of you know directly speaking to it rather than you know more abstract sense which which all art has of course but mm-hmm. um you know this one really trying to yeah like you're saying you know this was this was an attempt to respond to how you know to them i'm sure that you know the the intense uh uh, cinema culture that arose in the 1970s, you know, was mm-hmm. what created a lot of that, you know, hunger for the gossip and the yes. behind the scenes stories, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to know every, there was no more mystery or magic behind the film industry, you know, mm-hmm. cause everybody knew everything and there were these vultures around. Everyone's trying to get a scoop, get a story, all this shit, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and that was a, that was a relatively new thing, you know, outside of like the superstars, of course, like the right. starlets and, and, you know, leading men have always been hounded by the press, but um, you know, this was like cinema, you know, directors were famous now, you know, and mm-hmm. like that was a thing. And, you know, these were the, the like cool people. So it was like counterculture <laughs> was interested in that it wasn't just film, you know, or like celebrity rags. It was, you know, the whole culture of film was a, a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure people like Wells, you know, that had been around from the old guy, they probably fucking hated that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure for him, you know, that that you know, that looked to him at that time, what, you know, Facebook and Twitter looked like to me when I first saw them, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, this isn't going to be good. 
Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, this this seems to eliminate a number of the things that I like about communication, you know. Right, right. Um, this is a, a, a way for people to sidestep those even more than they already try to. And mm-hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone needs that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so yeah, no, it, it, it totally is. This is like a, you know, this is like a, uh, uh, I don't know. This is like Orson Welles, you know, beef video, <laughs> or whatever, whatever it's called, <laughs> like, like Twitter beef with the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Pretty much. Yeah. He just, he had to put it all into one movie. He's like, all right, Bogdanovich, fuck you. All right. Pauline <laughs> yeah, Kale, yeah. fuck you. All right. <laughs> Film students, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, seventies filmmakers, fuck all of you. Like, right? Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. But at the same time, like you know, being an artist and understanding the way that artistic mediums work, and that like you need, you know, probably also, I'm sure he also really respected the fact that you know filmmakers at that time were getting to innovate in the ways that he was trying to, and kept getting shut down, you know, for so many years. Yeah. No. Definitely. But yeah. you know, I'm sure there's a there's a respect there. So it's yeah, it's just. You could just pick this thing apart all day, like you know. Oh my god, Hundred, like yes, elements 100%. of it. There was there was one more thing I wanted to bring up though that yeah. I thought was really interesting um, that I didn't uh, I didn't pick up on the first time that I was okay. watching it because again it's just so sensory Rich. overload the whole time yeah. you're watching it. Yeah, it's like hard to keep up. Um, but uh, I you know I started noticing these like really interesting little inconsistencies. Uh, with like where the cameras are inside of a scene and where mm-hmm. the shots are. Okay. So like early on, you know, I noticed this in, in several, but early on there was a scene where they're, you know, when they're leaving set to all go to Hannaford's place in their big caravan and there's that bus, you know, full yes. of the, the dummies. Yeah. The dummies and the, uh, you know, less important people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they're getting on the bus and there's a, you know, two people talking at the front, you know, there's all these students with cameras around, of course, and everything, but you know, he's, uh, one of the characters, I think it was Billy was talking to this woman and, uh, you know, they're having conversation. And when we're looking towards the woman, there's a camera, uh, you know, behind her and it's over like her left shoulder. Okay. So we see a camera guy standing there with a camera over her left shoulder. But then mm-hmm. when we cut to like the reverse over the shoulder, looking back towards the guy who was just talking. Yeah. That shot is framed over her right shoulder. Oh, okay. Where, and there was no camera there. The camera yeah. was over her other shoulder. So uh-huh. like, you know, that camera had to be moved to that other side, like, you know, and, and shot from that angle, like specifically. But, you know, when we see it from the other angle, that camera's not there in that uh-huh. position. And again, I'm like, how much is he, how much of this is intentional? <laughs> okay. You know, is, is he really like, again, how deep this is like, it's like a Kubrickian rabbit hole. You know, mm. Wells is another guy who was like that mysterious and that intellectual and that like into the craft that you have to question like every little tiny decision and how yeah, deliberate right. it was. And something like that, that once again, like creates this fictionalized sense of reality without totally fictionalizing it, you know, it's this subtle thing that like, if you really look at it, you're like, it's just there, but also maybe it's just a continuity issue. Right. You know, it could be something practical as well. Who the fuck knows? (laughs) It's, you know, it's just, it's just another little magic trick that he's kind of pulling, you know, that's like, is it a fantasy or is it supposed to be real? I don't, you know, you never know. You can never get a real sense of that. 
And then it's just all leads to that ultimate question of like, does it even fucking matter? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think, do you think you could put this in the same, same boat as like, a? actually, no, I'm going to put it in the boat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask the question. I'm just going to answer it for you. Yeah. Is, uh, I would put this up there with like, uh, with like Roma and once upon a time in Hollywood in terms of it being a memory of a, of a time like in history Mm -hmm. and hearing you talk about where the camera is positioned over that woman's left shoulder, but then the reverse shot is, you know, over the right shoulder, um, it could just be maybe even playing with the idea of memory and how we remember a particular, you know, conversation or a bus full of the unimportant people, which mm-hmm. I'm sure he was been, I'm sure he was around a bus full of important people during his time. So yeah. it's just like, you know, I'm going to treat, I'm going to treat the frame and the scene as just as unimportant as the people on this bus mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> make you feel like, make you feel that much more, uh, much more jarred in the scene than maybe some of the other places or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I feel like I would put it up there with, with, with those two movies in terms of like a, a memory, a memory of something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, actually it's, it really is. It's like, it's, it's like a living memory. It's like a living memory of his own life. Yes. Exactly. That like yeah, he's, yeah. he's created a scenario that like he can freely wander around at it and look at it for himself and finally mm-hmm. maybe get some like kind of objectivity on some of these things. Yes. Like by making what is arguably like one of the most subjectively, <laughs> uh, you know, infused movies of all time. It's just, again, yeah. feeds in. It's like everything about this. There's just this incredible complexity too. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I'm very happy that it was easily accessible for me to watch as well. Yeah, so. and so yeah, and such a nice, nicely put together presentation yes. as well. Um, yeah. Well, that's all I got but. for other side of the wind, Dorian. Sweet. Um, wow. I think that will uh, wrap up this uh, now two episode stint. Another two in the bag. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, oh yeah, last sorry, last thing too on the other it. side of the. I was you know the title was definitely something that I'd been thinking about a bit. Uh, the other okay. side of the wind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just really what what really that's connoting and everything, and I think that's part of also what what gave me that much more kind of like, excuse me, like you know, sad or like mournful kind of quality to this movie too was just like thinking about that title. It does really feel like you know a a transition being on the different side of a plane that you're normally on. You know, life and death. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Side, you yeah, know, yeah. so it was like you know this this idea of like kind of moving on to this other side of the elemental world. Yes. Um, you know that once again, I was just like Jesus Christ, dude. Like I think this guy was fucking writing his suicide note. You know. Just as a movie, you I can see and, that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. In, a, in a way, and like you know, not. I don't think it was like that deliberate. Obviously, like he never killed himself or anything, and that's not to say he wasn't, you know, thinking about it. But right, I think it was more. It, it, there's something about this movie and just everything about it that communicates to me more so that this was like a startling realization for him in a way mm. that he was like going down this path, and then I, I don't know. Feel like at a certain point he like realized what was really happening. And, um, you know, that in, in some ways, like, makes it an even kind of scarier <laughs> proposition. You can hear me, but... Oh, yeah, I can I can hear you. Reconnecting right now. Your video's getting shitty. God damn it. And you're back. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. I got a poor connection message for a second, but 
I got the right. I got the same I got the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah. The anyway, it's, it's you, just, the title made you more feel like it was a realization. Yeah, and I, you know, just everything about it, just kind of all taken in tandem. You know, there's this real like just tragic quality to uh, yeah to it that like I I really like couldn't shake this time while I was watching it. You know. Okay. It just seemed to be revealing itself in like every little decision you know and and not in ways that are just like this woe is me like i'm so sad look at how pitiful you know i i don't yeah, ever right, right. i don't ever really feel self-pity or self-aggrandizement from this movie it just seems like kind of i'm gonna try to take an honest look at things now that you better, say that like even the last line of the movie is a voiceover of yeah of jack you know mm-hmm. and yeah shoot them all dead yeah shoot them all dead yeah and I, I come to think of it i don't know if Aside from the tape recordings there that are spread out through the movie, there's not there's not one like that where he's actually giving like a voiceover uh, and like, you know, nobody's around anymore, you know. Right. And it's just like, yes, at the end of the day, all that's left is like an empty, an empty lot with a screen, you know, yeah. you know, and uh, God damn it, Dorian, you're gonna make me watch this movie again this week. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's a fucking great movie. Yeah. Jesus Worth- Christ. It's worth watching again. <laughs> Um, uh, and I will say, uh, yeah. I will say the the one thing I did watch um, "They'll Love Me When I'm Dead" back when it, it first came out, um, which I remember liking a bit too. It's it is a really nice companion piece and helps contextualize a lot of the the history. Yeah. I think there. Um, I was really man. I was really wishing they did a doc as well, though, uh, detailing more so the the whole restoration and reconstruction process. Oh, that would have been cool. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm so curious about all of that and like how what that process was really like, uh, you know, what was there for them to work from, how they had to interpret some of these things. Like I, I would really, really love to see something like that. Um, that's the one thing that kind of bummed me out that, you know, we didn't have, but, yeah. uh, but also who knows what, what stage it was already at when Netflix even came along, you know, like a bunch of that work might've already been done. And if they were kind of like, you know, if they were just trying to do it just to get it finished and didn't even really know exactly what distribution was going to be or anything, they might not have had, you know, budget or resources to be filming like a behind the scenes of everything they were doing at the same time. Right, you know? right, yeah. So, That's true. So who the fuck knows? But man, I'd, I'd really love to, yeah, read or see and hear a lot more about all of that. It just seems, it's so fascinating, you know, that whole concept of like, how do you reconstruct someone else's vision, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just wild to even think that you could undertake that. Well, I like but. that. I li- at least um, you said that you contributed to it, right? Before it was yeah. a Netflix movie. Um, so with, I mean, with Criterion putting out some Netflix movies lately, like I, I would, I would keep my finger. I would like to keep my fingers crossed, maybe for maybe one day. Man, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm still supposed to get a Blu-ray from that Indiegogo campaign. Uh, it's, it's funny cause when Netflix picked it up, you know, there was a, the tier I donated to was like, you know, get, get the Blu-ray copy of the yeah. movie. I was like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Netflix picked it up, obviously they don't usually allow like physical copies right. to be made, you know, of any of their shit. And, uh, this was no exception, but so, you know, they, they had sent out an, an update saying that like Netflix is going to let us, uh, honor our commitment to the Indiegogo backers who okay. are promised Blu-rays. So like. Apparently, they're only going to make Blu-rays for people who backed it on Indiegogo at that level, and like that's it. Um, how, so I'm supposed m- to I'm <laughs> supposed to get one whenever it happens, but there's been like literally no updates since then. Um, so I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure Netflix is probably keeping. I'm sure they probably had like a you know at least like 
a couple years, you know, before they're yeah. going to let them even do that. But I mean, it hasn't even been five years since it came out, right? Yeah, no. No, so, okay, yeah. No, no. Yeah, so literally no idea. But, you know, if they were to just end up doing some sort of, like, Criterion release for it, and they're like, hey, we're just going to send you a copy of the Criterion, you know, release. That'd be fucking I'd be awesome. Fine with, yeah. I'd be fine with that, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that shit. <laughs> I think when I uh, I was, uh, I've been I've been getting, trying to get better at uh, posting, you know, when, uh, I mean, I always post when the new episodes go up, but I try and, like, at, certain people or at certain oh, sure, yeah. things like at Netflix or at, you know, whatever. So when I post this one, I'll definitely like at Netflix and at Criterion and Criterion channel and all that. And just, you know, make it seem like we will bring about the release of the other side of the wind to a physical copy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Like at Criterion, like, Hey, heard you guys are releasing some Netflix movies. <laughs> may we, may we suggest perhaps an Orson Welles film? Yeah. What right. the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh um, my God. Yes. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, no, that would be, it would be a, such a prime candidate for a Criterion release too, just cause oh, of the, uh, the opportunity for those kinds of special features. There's already a feature length documentary companion piece made that could go on that disc. So, right, exactly. you know, it seems like they're, they're well on their way. <laughs> yeah. all right well um i I think that's it yeah i think that's it yeah i hope everybody enjoyed listening to that i would highly suggest going to check out going to see this movie for sure it's on netflix right now um you know and uh also you know check out uh exorcist 3 too yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, I think the, the final final verdict is that we we both offered worthwhile suggestions. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, Dorian. Well, I will. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for watching Exorcist Three. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> now we're uh, yeah we're we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do next week. We might do something similar, but force each other further down our own channels. Yes. We both we both softballed each other a little bit. <laughs> I might wait to see what you suggest to me so that I know which, you know, which list to pick from. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I feel like we, you know, for if we do this again, we got to just go hard like and and try something that's, you know, potentially much more divisive, you know, like Okay. You know, given me Exorcist 3, like sure, it, there weren't a lot of like, you know, positive things I could say about it right off the bat. Right. As far as like, you know, just what I knew about the film before even going in. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's still like genre horror film. You know, yes, I, right, exactly. I, fuck, I get in on that shit, you know, yeah, right. so <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, God damn, I got to watch this horror movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I'm usually going to be pretty fine with that. Um, yeah. But uh but yeah, and then I knew, you know, other side of the wind, you had already, you know, you were interested in watching it. It wasn't like... Yeah, when we when we did the Netflix uh, and all the other streaming episodes, uh, the, our first one, like I, I went to Netflix while you were talking about it and added it to my list. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was more of like a, you know, let's do, let's do the other person a favor here and force them to watch something that I think they're actually really going to enjoy and that I know they should watch and that they want to watch, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just haven't yet for some reason. But I feel like, I feel like next week we might be doing like, all right, pick something, you know, the other person does not want to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And let's see, but that you have strong feelings for, because I think, you know, that's something we should, you know, obviously play up like, you know, a movie I love that, you know, like, I was telling Bobby, I was like, man, the first thing I thought of is Gaspar Noé's uh, movie <laughs> Love is on yeah. Netflix. And I'm kind of like, man, I just want to <laughs> see what Bobby thinks of this. I have no idea. I He might fucking despise me after watching this movie. <laughs> but, 
Um, but I'm just curious, yeah. and I think it's just gonna be a good conversation. You know, we can only uh, can only agree with each other so much before it gets fucking boring. It's true. Yeah. So. It's true. All right. Good. Well, I'm 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 up for the challenge. All right. On whatever well, you pick. So maybe we'll we'll say that we'll start crafting something. Yeah, I think. Okay. Start thinking about it this weekend. We'll okay. talk more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's a little there's a little enticement for all y'all. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and Dorian, thank you for doing this again. Yeah, always a pleasure, sir. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Yes.